I'm Lisa Van Hoover. I'm a writer and designer, and words are magic. Hi, welcome to the Writer's Rotation Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Stamps. I love words and writing and people and talking. So I'm talking to people who write all kinds of things in different professions. It's a writer's rotation. Lisa, how are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Well, I am pretty great, I have to say. From Asheville, North Carolina, it's a dreary day here. However, a dreary day in Asheville is still a great day, right? How did you get to Asheville? Because you're not from there, are you? No, I am from Eastern North Carolina. I was born in High Point. Oh, I think you told me that, Kathy. That's right. Yeah, but we ended up in Asheville because my husband had a job opportunity here. So because you can write from anywhere. Absolutely, you can write from anywhere, and this is a great place to be for writing. So, what's your story? What did you major in in college? What are you doing now? How did you get there? Unsurprisingly. My degrees in English. I mean, of course, you can be a writer and not have majored in English, right? But still, it feels very typical, <laughs> you know? Of course. I have not always been a writer. I have for a very long time written just for fun, just for myself, since I was quite young. But after college, I taught high school English for two years. It was not my cup of tea. I ended up doing admin work for quite a long time. And honestly, English is a perfect background for executive assistant work. And I got to really, I mean, I did writing. It was a different sort of writing, but I got to do a lot of writing for that, uh, for those jobs. In my last job, I got to start a newsletter. My last proper corporate job, that is. I got to start a newsletter, which was really exciting because I got to do writing and I got to design it. I really love to do as a hobby design work. Was the newsletter hard copy or email? Yeah, it was hard copy. I got to hold it in my hands, which was pretty fun. And it was, I mean, it was really cool because it was all mine. I designed it from scratch. It was all mine. But it was a pretty big deal because it went to a lot of people. I worked for a big company. Even our business unit was pretty large. uh, And it was specifically for a business unit. But a lot of people got to see it. That was really fun. For the last nine years, I've been doing just sort of random stuff. Then I had the opportunity to work with the magazine I'm currently working with, which is how, of course, we know each other. Uh, We're colleagues. And now, in addition to doing the magazine, I'm also doing some marketing work for a specific company. And I have a lot to learn. Marketing is, I think, one of those topics that no one will ever know everything. Exactly. Yeah. And things change so frequently. I mean, especially when you get into social media and, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what's your tone, like what are, you know. Just keeping up with what exists. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind how it works. (laughs) Just what's out there. Yeah, because there are new platforms all the time. And I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. So I really do have a lot to learn. One thing that we bring to the table, maybe, that the traditional marketing trained professional does not, and that is what I call intuitive SEO. Yes. So if you're writing about equine industry, perhaps you should use, I don't know, the word horse. Yes. In the post. Right. Intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have the end user top of mind always. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yet again, a different sort of writing that I'm getting to do. 
combined with the design that I'm really passionate about. So I feel very lucky to be able to put all of these things together. And it just sort of happened organically. That's the best. It's the best. I feel like I'm in a great place. Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as wasted knowledge or wasted experience. That's right. Have you ever heard that thing where like what you were interested in when you were, let's say, 10 years old is a really great basis for what you could do? Yeah, but it's kind of scary. (laughs) It's kind of scary, but here's what's interesting. When I was 10 years old, I would get, you know, my teen magazine in the mail. My grandmother got a subscription for me, and I was probably too young, but whatever. I'd get my teen magazine in the mail, and then I would get, you know, printer paper, and I would copy the layouts or come up with my own layouts for their articles, and I would copy the articles and I would also do the layouts. Isn't that funny how things work out? And I just remembered this recently. I had kind of forgotten. Oh, I definitely wanted to be a writer. Did you? I have. I wish I had it. I wrote a letter to Carolyn Keene. Nancy Nancy, Nancy Drew. And I got a letter back from her secretary that was embossed from the desk of Miss Edith Blake. And it was on an old courier typewriter. It was 100 years ago. And Miss Keene was delighted to hear from one of her young readers. I think I said something like, dude, how do I, I, you know, I've got to be published by the time I'm 11 or it's going to be too late. (laughs) How do you do that? She suggests you start with your school newspaper. I'm like, bitch, I did that in third grade. You know, I was, I was the editor of the third grade newsletter. (laughs) And I didn't know until much later, there were a lot of people who wrote under the name Carolyn King. Yes. This was Harriet S. Adams. Okay. I love this story. I've loved to read from the time I could read, I guess. And Nancy Drew and the Babysitter's Club were my first series. Nancy Drew is what I remember first. And I have the set of 56 that were in that hole. And my son is actually reading them. He's Wait, you have them? Yeah. They're not all the really original ones. A lot of them were from like the 70s or whatever. But I have the set of 56 as well as this biographical account of the writers who wrote the series. So that's how I know that it was actually multiple, yeah, writers behind that name. Very cool. I know, I know. Yeah, she would have made a a great summer of, you know, Taylor Swift and Barbie. There you go. Nancy Drew. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So did you read other mystery series or were you just Nancy Drew? I think I read everything in the library. Well, everything. Anything. I I would read anything. I remember one time, this would have been about in fifth grade, and I thought the library was huge. It was just some tiny little, you know, building, the public library. And they had the children's section over here and the adult section way across the room, like right there. And I picked up a book that I wanted to check out and the librarian was not going to let me do it. It was called Jane Eyre. Oh. And she said, you're 10, you're a child, you can't read that. And I'm like, uh, but I did. I didn't understand it at all. But I was no, like, right. because you're telling me I shouldn't read it, I will definitely read it. 
I love Definitely it read for it. a classic. My first classic, and now it's kind of like, shouldn't, um, that I remember reading was Gone with the Wind, and I was 11. And I read it. I loved it. I've probably read it three or four times, not in many, many, many years, but I loved it. And I was very proud of myself because it's, you know, so thick. Eight million I, pages long, yeah. It, yeah. But I don't think, I was probably in sixth or seventh grade before I tried any of the real classics. And I didn't love that. I mean, I remember reading Pride and Prejudice in, I don't know, seventh grade or whatever for a book report. And I chose it. It wasn't a sign. Nah, I didn't like it. What else did, what did we read in school? Um, I remember reading The Scarlet Letter. Yes. In, in, in high school. Yeah, I didn't like it in high school, but I loved it in college. Loved it. I remember reading a lot of women authors, which that was pretty cool. Edith Wharton. Yeah. They were all white women, but at least they were women. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until college that I remember reading any writers of color, probably. I also went to um, a Christian school. So what we read was fairly vanilla. So there wasn't a lot of diversity in our literature, for sure. But when we had book reports, for example, we always got to choose what we read. So, I, you know, I'd read whatever I felt like. Yeah, I think it was college before I got, before I was really exposed to any sort of diversity in writing. How do you physically like to read your books now? We have your paper, we have your Kindle, we have your audiobooks. I prefer Kindle because I can read at any time. Like, I mostly read before I go to sleep at night. So I can have the lights off and just read. Or if I'm awake in the night because I've had a crazy dream and I can't go back to sleep, I'll grab my phone and read. Once in a while, I'll still pick up a print book, but not very often. Um, and I will say I love podcasts. Absolutely love podcasts. But I cannot listen to an audiobook. Oh, that's interesting. I just can't. Why, why do you think that is? I lose focus or depending on the book, you know, sometimes there are different narrators or things are bouncing around too much and I lose focus for just a second. You know, I found like, oh, wait, who's, who's speaking now? Like what's happening? And then I'm trying to put the pieces together. I haven't been listening again. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I just, I can't pay attention well enough. I just discovered audiobooks this year and I have been obsessed. I can do one a day, every day and a half. Oh, that's amazing. But you know what I do? I sit there and I work my Microsoft Jigsaw puzzle on the touch screen. Oh, while and you're listening. It really is. It's doing something with your hands. You know, if you want to crochet or needlepoint or, you know, do something like that. I think that's really good to do that or cleaning with the audio. Right. I do. So I do love to clean. For example, when I'm listening to a podcast or I go for a walk and listen to podcasts, it's one of my favorite things to do. My husband and I recently listened to the history of ancient Egypt. It was hours and hours and hours long, and we got it through Audible, but it was technically a great courses lecture series, so still hmm. not really a book so I can listen but there's just something I haven't I just have a thing about books I probably have just convinced myself oh I don't like this you know <laughs> I love going to the library I order them and I get the email that it says it's ready I go pick it up and then while I'm there 
oh, let's look at, you know, judge all these other books by their covers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, I've always, always been judged by the cover person. Always. And if the cover looks good enough, then I'll read the back or the oh, okay. to see what it's about. And then I'll decide. If and how many times have I picked up a library book and I start reading and I'm like, oh, I've already read. I didn't like it the first, but that cover. I just... Oh, isn't that <laughs> when you've read a book and then you don't remember that you've read it? <laughs> okay. What about writing? How old were you when you first, and, and what do you like? Do you like fiction? You like essays, poetry? What do you like? I like fiction. I'm a fiction person, especially historical fiction, crime fiction, murder. The more grisly, the better. Always. Again, since Nancy Drew, and I don't know why, maybe it was the cover of the first Nancy Drew that I read that I, that drew me in. I'm not sure. So I did, you know, I loved R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike and L.J. Smith and, you know, all of that stuff when I was a kid. Always was into like supernatural stuff. <laughs> that thing. That's um, awesome. What about writing? What kind of stuff so do you like to write? When I, okay, so I am better at writing dry sort of material. Research papers in college, good to go. Because I have a very reserved sort of style. I'm not like a really fun and snappy and perky sort of writer, like at all. And I think, I mean, that partly has to do with personality, but I have always read a lot of British fiction. And I've just kind of recently connected these dots. And, you know, British literature is fairly dry. And I, as I read my style, if I'm just writing for myself creatively as an outlet, I find, you know, much longer sentences with a lot of commas and you know, I don't do like short choppy writing. It's much more, I think, in the style of like more classic British writers. Not to say that I'm that great of a writer, but I think that's my influence. But that style, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I have, this is, see, I've not told anyone this. I have been experimenting a little bit with trying to come up with a story that's sort of like in a magical realm. So very fantasy and I'm not that far and I'll have like a flash of an idea and I'll jot it down, but then it's still very disconnected and I haven't put the pieces together and I'm not sure if I ever will, but it's something that I like to play with. Good for you. Um, yeah. So I would still say I, I, I have that reserved sort of style, but I love settings that are very sort of magical and beautiful yeah, a bit like fantastic, if you will. It's interesting to think about those two things, the reserved sort of style, but a Oh, I love it. Juxtaposition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Are you a journaler? Uh, I am most of the time. I go through spells, certainly, where I just don't really, there's nothing. But my journaling tends to be, I do gratitude every day for the, you know, I'll miss a day here or there, but I'll try to do a, a gratitude paragraph. Sometimes it's just a sentence, whatever I'm feeling that day. But I do a lot of intuitive sort of, what's my intention for today? Or I'll draw a tarot card and I'll journal about that. Things like that. That's mostly what my journaling is. I love a good journal prompt. 
Yeah, when you can just sort of let it flow, that's the beauty of journaling. It doesn't matter what comes out. Grammar doesn't matter. And you, like, I like to sometimes even just close my eyes because I type. I don't handwrite. I will say that. Right, because I can go faster to try to keep up with my thoughts better. If I had to handwrite, I don't think I would do it that often. And that's funny because when I was younger, I would always handwrite everything. Even in college, I would handwrite the rough drafts in my papers. But now I I type because I can just type faster. And I'll just close my eyes and type, which you can do easily when you're handwriting. Do you use uh, an app? I just use um, the Pages program on my computer. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it looks kind of like gobbledygook, you know. For the longest time, I didn't even put the date. I would just write and just do paragraphs. Now I at least date each entry. I think dating everything, a scribble, anything, is so important because you're going to find it 800 years later. And if you put that date on there, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad that I started doing that. And I really wish I had at the beginning. But what is now my journal started off as I was preparing to do a coaching program, an intuitive coaching program. At the time, though, I think I didn't even know which program I was going to do. So I was just kind of collecting information about coaching. And I would find these prompts and tools and like all this sort of stuff. So it was more just, you know, a compilation of this material I was collecting about coaching. And then over time, it sort of became my journal. And then I incorporated the gratitude later. So it was, it's an interesting evolution. Yeah, I'm over 500 pages. Oh, wow. Uh, I've written pages, two and a half years, maybe, of just stuff. It's very cool to go back and see, like, even a year ago, I wrote that? Where did that come from? You know, it's really inspiring. It's really cool to see because, you know, when you're in that flow state and you're just, like, letting those ideas come, you're not even necessarily aware of what all is coming out until you go back and read it. And the morning pages. Yeah. The Artist's Way. What a cool (laughs) book. You know what? I know of it. I've never read it. Ooh, yeah. It's a good one. Julia Cameron. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A therapist recommended it to me years ago, and I just never have gotten to it. So you've reminded me. Thank you. Do I do the morning pages? No. Yeah. (laughs) Do I tell people to do the morning pages? Yeah. That's okay. Do as I say. (laughs) That's right. Not as I do. (laughs) And you have a podcast? Yes. It's called There Are No Tangents, which really sums up (laughs) the whole concept really well, I think. And it's just all about, you know, what's on our minds right now and we just have a conversation about it. So, you know, we talk about astrology and human design, things that you and I have kind of touched on a little bit. Love it, love it, love it. My co-host is very, very into the Enneagram. She's an Enneagram coach and has been studying the system for years. So a lot of Enneagram topics come up. We had a number of guests on touching on different topics. It's really fun. That's very cool. If I didn't have deadlines, I work really well with deadlines. I have a love-hate relationship with deadlines. (laughs) Yes, because I'm very, you know, what do I feel inspired to do right now? And, but the deadlines ensure that I will be inspired (laughs) to do my magazine work, Um, you know, or other work in general. Deadlines are really helpful for me because I'm not a routine person at all. Yes, and I 
don't understand early deadline people. No. I, I envy that trait so much. We got the assignment in school and it was due next and that day they were working on I'm like, what? I, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> How do you do yeah. that? <laughs> right, exactly. No, someone said to me actually recently, I bet you're the kind of person who has everything done early. I'm like, well, I mean, not exactly. When we're working on our magazines, we have to send some material out for other people to review in advance of our actual deadline, right? So I do have to consider that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I will um, adjust my, my personal deadlines to accommodate for that because I have to. Otherwise, everything would be done. I do like to have my yes. stuff done typically the day before the hard deadline. Buffer. Buffer is good. Exactly. The buffer but is good because you never yeah. know what's going to happen. You never know. But I can't. I'm not going to be any earlier than that. You know, it's just it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. I wait until the last minute. Yeah. I heard yeah. someone say for like submitting articles to an editor. Mm -hmm. She goes, don't do it too early because then they have far more time to sit and pick on it. Right. I said, oh, that's interesting. That's a good tip. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Oh, here's something someone told me one time that she heard someone tell her one time. <laughs> <laughs> that any job, if you have 25% that sucks and 75% that's good, okay or good, then you have it made. I'm like, oh, okay. So what mm. would that mathematically work out to a magazine per month, 12? <laughs> so I guess one per quarter, if you have one of those, you know, the, yeah, that it just, right. this one's not working. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Then it's, it's not so bad. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is so fun. Keep in touch. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writer's Rotation. Like and subscribe for more. And remember, writing is a marketable skill. Smiling is a remarkable skill.